Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, growing in faith and friendship. So the Bible reads from Galatians chapter 5 and verses 1 to 12. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obliged to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from, from grace. For through the Spirit... We eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the law that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. And this is the word of the Lord. So we continue now our series through the book of Galatians entitled Freedom in Jesus. And today we're looking at Galatians chapter 5 and verses 1 to 12, which actually starts a whole new section in the letter. A whole new section starts. See, up until this point, Paul has been explaining how we are accepted by God. How it is purely and solely by grace. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. And that there's absolutely nothing we need to do nor can do to earn God's acceptance and love. Because it's all by grace. It's a free gift from God. Jesus has done it all for us on the cross. And therefore, we, we don't have to obey the laws of Moses. That's the Ten Commandments and so on, or any other law for that matter, because it's not dependent on how good we are. It's only dependent on how good God is. And so the way we enter into a relationship with God is by simply putting our faith in Jesus, and immediately we are forgiven and we are accepted by God. And Paul uses the two words, justified and righteousness, two words to describe the status of being in a right relationship with God, being declared not guilty, being declared innocent, and being accepted by God. And this is the gospel. This is the good news. But now from this point in the letter onwards, from this point, Paul is no longer talking about how we enter into a relationship with God, but rather he's talking about how do we live a life that is pleasing to God? How do we live a Christian life, a ethical life? And so you might be thinking, okay, so we, we enter into a relationship with God through, by, by faith, 
and grace. But surely in order to live a life that is pleasing to God, what we need is the law of Moses, the Bible, and good works. So so what we need is a balance between grace and faith on one hand and, and the Bible and good works on the other hand. What we need is a balance. I mean, if you keep telling people all the time that they're loved by God and, and, and God's love for them isn't dependent on what they do, that, that doesn't matter what they do, God will still love them, how would that produce an incentive for them to become a better person? How would that produce an incentive for them to live a life pleasing to God? I mean, they would just say, great, no, no I can do anything I want. I can live the way I want. No, what we need is a balance between faith uh, and grace and faith and the Bible and good works. I mean, let's take as an example, imagine your, your child is, is studying really, really hard, trying their best to get, get the best grades so that they can get accepted into the university of their choice. And so they are studying super, super hard. They're really working hard. And as a result, they get good grades, that they get A's, and they get accepted into the university that they want to go to. And then the next set of grades come in, and you suddenly notice that the grades have gone down. You know, the, the A's have become B's, the B's have become C's. And so you go to your child and you say, What's happened? Why are your grades going down? And they say, Dad, I'm in. I'm already accepted. The university doesn't get to see those grades. I'm already in. Those grades don't count. Sure, I can't fail. I have to pass. But those grades don't count. I'm already in. I'm already accepted. So why should I work hard for them? And you reply by saying something naive. Well, because of... a. The love of learning and because of intellectual integrity. And they say, Dad, when you're done, can you pass the tomato sauce or, or something like that? And surely it's exactly the same when it comes to the Christian life. If you just keep telling people, well, God loves you no matter what you do, well, then how's that going to be an incentive to live a life that is pleasing to God? So what we need is a balance between grace and faith and the Bible and good works. Right? Wrong. <laughs> no, it's completely wrong. That's wrong. Uh, that's what the troublemakers were claiming. You remember these troublemakers? There were these, there were these Jewish, uh, Jewish followers of Jesus from Jerusalem who had come to the Galatians after Paul had left. They came to the Galatians and they said to the Galatians, faith in Jesus is not enough. Look, it's, it's, it's great that you put your faith in Jesus, but that's only the beginning. That's how you enter into a relationship. Now that you, you're in a relationship with God, your sins are forgiven. Now, in order to, to truly be justified, to truly be accepted by God and to be righteous, you need to live a life pleasing to God. And the way you do that is by obeying the law of Moses or the Ten Commandments and so on. And the one that we're particularly focusing on was circumcision. Ouch. But you see what they're effectively saying. They say, I mean, it makes sense. 
They're saying what you need is a balance. You need faith in Jesus and you need the laws of Moses. You need a balance between faith and grace on one hand and the law and good works on the other. But Paul is saying no, that's wrong. And the whole of chapter 5, is he's explaining why. And effectively what he's saying is that it's the exact same way that we enter into a relationship with God is the exact same way that we progress in that relationship. It's the exact same way that we live a life that is pleasing to God. And that life is always only and solely by grace and faith and by the Holy Spirit with love being the key characteristic. And so he says in in, in verse 5, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. That is a key verse in the book of Galatians. That that verse is a summary statement of, of the whole book. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Uh, you see, we, we're all in slavery. <laughs> well, at least we were. You're either in slavery to our sinful desires, that's lawlessness, or we're in slavery to the law of Moses, that's legalism. See, often we think we're completely free, I can just do whatever I want, but what we end up doing is gratifying our sinful nature our sinful desires, which Paul calls the flesh. And, and as a result, we become addicted to sin. Uh, we, we can't help ourselves. We're just addicted to being greedy, to being selfish, to being self-centered, to being jealous of other people. We just can't help it. And so we're not free. We're not free to do the good things we would like to do. And as a result, we have regret and guilt. Or on the other hand, we're in slavery to the law of Moses, where we think, okay, well, if I just obey all these laws, the laws of Moses or any other law, then I will be a good person. Then I'll be a good moral person. All I need to do is a lot of hard work and put a lot of human effort, which Paul also calls the flesh. And if I do all this good work, then I'll be a good moral person. The problem with that is you will fail. No one's perfect. You'll never be able to do it. And so you will end up always trying. Keep on trying, but you'll keep on failing. And so you'll be enslaved to always trying and always failing. You'll be enslaved to the Bible. And and the result will be guilt and condemnation. But Jesus came to set us free. He came and he, he, he took our sin, our flesh upon himself. And he took our guilt and our condemnation from the law upon himself. And then he died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, our sin died. Our guilt died. Our condemnation died. And when he rose from the dead, our sin, guilt, and condemnation remained dead. So we can be free. Free from sin and free from the law. Paul then continues in verse 1. He says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. You know, now that Jesus has set us free, 
it'll be completely ludicrous to voluntarily put yourself back into a position of slavery by either merely doing whatever you want and gratifying your sinful nature or by putting yourself back under the law, trying to earn God's acceptance by obedience to the law. It would be ludicrous to do that. But that's exactly what the Galatians were doing. They were trying to obey the law of Moses to gain God's acceptance, and they were putting themselves back into a position of slavery. And so Paul warns them of the consequences of legalism. And he says in verse 2 and following, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obliged to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. So Paul is talking to to those Galatians who are trying to justify themselves by by the law. They're trying to obey the law of Moses. They're trying to live a life that is pleasing to God in order to justify themselves, in order to gain God's acceptance and love. And the particular law that they're focused on is circumcision. Now, it could have been any law, but that's the one that they were focusing on. And there's nothing wrong with circumcision in and of itself. Look, I'm not promoting it. I'm just saying that there's nothing wrong with it in and of itself. Um, if, if that's something you really want, there's nothing wrong with that. Just a minor you know, medical surgery. But the problem, the problem is their motivation. The problem is why did they want to be circumcised? They wanted to be circumcised in order to gain God's acceptance and love, to to be justified. See, there's nothing wrong with obeying the laws of Moses. There's nothing wrong with living a good, godly, moral life. There's nothing wrong with that. Unless your motivation is to gain God's acceptance. If you're doing that in order to earn God's acceptance and love, then it's a problem. Why is it a problem? Well, firstly, you will fail. You will fail. You can't do it. Uh, Paul reminds them in in verse 3 that they're obliged to obey the whole law. You would have to obey every single law in the Bible perfectly all the time. And you simply can't do it. Secondly, by doing that, you actually deny that you are already accepted by Jesus, by God. Paul says in in, in verse 2 that if you do that, Jesus will be of no value to you. And in verse 4 he says you you would alienate yourself from Jesus and you would have fallen away from grace. Why? Because you put in your trust in your own good works, in your flesh, rather than in Jesus. You put in all your trust in how good you are, rather than in how good Jesus is. And it's so subtle. You see, they were doing this for God. 
But it was actually separating themselves from God. They were doing this thinking, this is going to make me closer to God. But rather than making them closer to God, it was actually separating them from Jesus. It's so subtle. It slowly starts becoming all about the rules, about the Bible, about theology, about religious tradition, about how good and moral you are, rather than about a living relationship with Jesus. It's so subtle, but it's so serious. That's why Paul, out of, out of real love and, and a deep concern, a deep concern for the Galatians and a deep concern for their relationship with God, out of that, Paul is furious with these troublemakers. And he says in verse 12, as for those agitators, those troublemakers, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. In other words, he's saying, those guys who are so obsessed with cutting the genitals, I wish they would go the whole way and cut their genitals right off. That's how furious he is, because it's that serious. It's that serious. So the question is, How do we stand firm in freedom and make sure that we don't get enslaved again to either the law, legalism, or sin, lawlessness? Or to ask the question in a different way, how do we live a life that is pleasing to God? Paul says in verse 5, For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Now the English word hope is a bit misleading. Because the English word hope sort of implies uncertainty. You know, I I hope I pass my exam. Kind of means I don't know. I mean, I wish I did, but I'm not sure. Whereas the Greek word that's translated hope implies an absolute certainty. The grades aren't in yet, but I'm absolutely certain I've passed. There's an absolute certainty. So whenever you read the word hope in the Bible, you need to remind yourself that it means a sure and certain hope. We are waiting with with a hope, with absolute certainty, with absolute assurance That God will declare us righteous. That God will be pleased with the way we live. That we will live a God-pleasing life. Incredible assurance. The troublemakers, the legalists, don't have that kind of insurance. If you put in your trust in your own good works, you will never have assurance. I mean, you might be doing very well today. But you might blow it tomorrow. You can never have assurance. We can have absolute assurance. How can we have absolute assurance? Well, firstly, we don't work for it. We wait for it. We we don't work at trying to produce our own righteousness. No, we eagerly wait for God to produce, to grow His righteousness in us. And it's not dependent on our hard work and human effort. No, it's through the Spirit and by faith. 
For when you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And the Holy Spirit gives you that legal status of being a child of God. And it's the Holy Spirit that leads us and directs us and empowers us and enables us to live a life pleasing to God. The Holy Spirit produces righteousness, grows righteousness in us. Paul then says in verse 6, For in Christ Jesus, that means for everyone who's put their faith in Jesus, neither circumcision, that's referring to obeying the law, nor uncircumcision, that's not obeying the law, has any value. It doesn't have any value. Why does it have no value? Because when you're obeying the law, when you're living a good moral life, God doesn't love you anymore. Because he already loves you absolutely and completely. And and when you're not obeying the law, when you mess up and you make a mistake and you do that incredibly stupid, selfish thing, and you've got that little voice in your head saying, and you call yourself a Christian, even then, that has no value because God doesn't love you any less. God loves you unconditionally. And therefore, Paul goes on, the only thing, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is that we put our faith in Jesus. Because when we do, the Holy Spirit comes into our life and produces love, real love, true love. That only the Holy Spirit can produce. You can't produce it. You see, real faith, real faith is not merely giving intellectual agreement to a set of Christian teachings. Real faith isn't about believing stuff. Real faith is about putting your trust in Jesus And it always leads to a transformed life. Always. Paul basically repeats this verse word for word in in chapter 6 and verse 15. Excepting for the last phrase. He changes the last phrase. Faith expressing itself through love. He changes that to new creation. He says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is new creation creation. When the Holy Spirit comes into us, we don't become nice. We become new. We, we don't, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes into, it brings about a whole new creation. You see, there is a big difference between moral reformation and gospel transformation. The the, the troublemakers and the legalists were into moral reformation. They were trying their hardest. They were working so hard to to obey the law, to become a better person, a more moral person, a more godly person. At best, moral reformation can make you nice. At, At best. It can give you the outward appearance of being nice. And sometimes... Nice people are the hardest to get saved because they think they're so 
nice. And we don't need to be nice. We need to be new. And when the Holy Spirit comes into you, it transforms you. It makes you new. It it transforms you from the inside out. It gives you a new heart. And it gives you, it changes your motivation. The big difference between the troublemakers and Paul, the big difference wasn't a matter of balance or imbalance. It wasn't a matter of you know, uh, uh, grace and faith on one hand and, and the Bible and good works on the other hand. It just, is it balance or imbalance? It wasn't a matter of balance or imbalance. The, the difference was their motivation. Their motivation. The troublemakers were trying to do it in order to receive God's acceptance and love. And if you, you know, the motivation makes all the difference. Why were they trying to get circumcised? They were trying to get circumcised to be accepted by God. The why makes all the difference. Why do you get up early in the morning and read your Bible and pray? Why do you resist temptation in your life? Why do you help the poor? Why do you try to live a life that is pleasing to God? The why makes all the difference. If you're doing it in order to earn God's acceptance and love, you will alienate yourself from Jesus and you will become a slave to the law. But if you are doing it purely out of a response of receiving God's love, you will be truly free. Remember the illustration right at the beginning? What's the difference between the university's acceptance of you and God's acceptance of you? I mean, how come when the the university accepts you, it doesn't produce an incentive to work hard, but when God accepts you, it produces an incredible incentive to live a life that is pleasing to God? Well, what's the difference? Well, when the university accepted you, It didn't love you. It didn't come and die for you because it loves you. But that's exactly what God did. God's acceptance means that he came to you and he died for you because he loves you. It's it's, it's that personal. If you were the only person in the whole world, Jesus would have come and died for you because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. When you realize that, when you grasp that, when you put your faith in that love, then the Holy Spirit will come into your life and He will pour the love of God into your life and He will transform you and you will become new and it will produce love. You will love God and love others. And the inevitable consequence will be that you will live a life that is pleasing to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come back to the same thing again and again. We just stand and we marvel at your great love for us. It just blows us away. 
But Father, so often we confess that we do try to earn that love. Even though you just pour it into us freely. There's something within us that wants to work at it and say, look, I've done it. Look, I've earned it. I'm in control. But Father, we acknowledge that we can never do it. And when we do try it, we just become enslaved. Father, won't you forgive us for all those times that we made that subtle change from just doing things out of, out of a motivation from receiving your love to doing things to try and earn your love. Father, it's so subtle, but Father, it's, it's such huge, profound, serious consequences. Father, won't you, by your Holy Spirit, show us in our life where we're doing just that, where we're putting trust in our flesh and our good works, rather than putting our trust solely in you and your goodness. Father, won't you reveal that to us by your Holy Spirit? And Father, won't you pour your love into our life again, into our hearts. Overwhelm us with your love. Let that be our only motivation. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.